And I just ask that, Holy Spirit, you would increase your, your presence among us right now. See what Jesus is doing in the room. That's all right, I got it. And I just pray that as we spend some time in the Bible, it wouldn't just be words, it wouldn't just be stories, but that we would come to this moment with an expectation of complete transformation of our life. And if we haven't come in that space or with that attitude, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would release expectation and faith in us to meet with you, God, in this moment. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. What's up? Yeah, it's okay. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. Everyone's after me. The offering, the offering. I love it. This is great. I've never seen such an enthusiastic group of people who want to hand over all their money to Jesus. This is wonderful. <laughs> I haven't forgotten it. You know, when I was away, um, Nicole and I were in... Um, in January in Illinois, we were listening to Randy Clark do some teaching, and Randy has some um, wonderful ministry that he does in South America. And in South America, they don't use this one particular church that he, he, uh, he um, teaches at and equips people at. He said, we, they, they don't use bags like this. This is too, this is like too pitiful, really. And um, he said, what they do is they they set out big, and this is, you've got to understand, this is in a context of complete poverty. Complete poverty like that we would not probably understand. And they set out um, big 44-gallon drums out the front when it's time for the offerings. They put out big drums. And what they say to people is, don't you come forward and just put your money in there. If you're going to come bring an offering, you get in the 44-barrel drum with your money and tell Jesus you're all in. How's that for bringing your offerings to the Lord? <laughs> you bring, put yourself in the drum. I think we need some 44-gallon drums for next week. <laughs> We're going to bring, everyone can get in the drum. Bring, it's not just, oh, yeah, look, I'll, you know, I can by extension remove myself from the offering, but it's all you. You're bringing all of you. In the act, and we'll we'll get to doing some offerings in, in in a minute. But one of the reasons why I've just held it off and held it back is because um, I want to I want to address an atmosphere that is in our Australian context and culture right now that I think the enemy is seeking to use to stir up um, fear and anxiety in our Australian culture and context. And particularly, he wants to press uh, the follower of Jesus to not be able to honour God financially in this, in this season. So I want to deal with that, because I want to smack the mouth of the enemy with the truth of who our God is. And as followers of Jesus, that we would, um, we would follow God into this. I want to... I wanna, um, Sorry, I'm trying to drive all this at the same time. Here we go. I think we're there. Yep. I want us this morning, if you've got your Bible, to open it up to Colossians chapter 1. And in Colossians chapter 1, 
Paul is writing here to the church, and he's talking about how he labors for the, for, for the people before the Lord. And in verse 24, I'm going to pick up just after he's done this amazing bit of teaching about just the awesomeness, the supremacy, the absolute um, authority of Jesus. And then he, he, he talks about how he um, gives himself to a life of making sure that everyone knows the supremacy of Jesus. So let me just talk, uh, read here verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission of God. So Paul here is up front. He's letting you know, I am a servant of Jesus. And because I'm a servant of Jesus, I'm a servant of the, the body of Jesus, the people of Jesus in the earth. I'm a servant of the church. Now, this isn't just for apostles and prophets. This is for followers of Jesus. I'm a servant of Jesus, and I'm a servant of the church. And if you want to play around and pretend like you can only do one, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will be nagging at you saying, well, actually, you can't. To say that you follow Jesus is to serve him and the church and the ministry of Jesus through the church to the world. I am by a commission of God. He gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for the ages and generations but it is now but is now disclosed to the saints to them god has chosen to make known among the gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is christ in you that's the mystery christ in you uh, is the mystery and the hope of glory and we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ and to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. So again, Paul is pushing the, the, the revelation that yes, I labor, but I'm not laboring in my own strength. I'm laboring in the mystery that Jesus Christ lives in me. Now, we are talking over the last few weeks about resurrection and identity, and I want to continue to push into that because if we truly understand who we are and we want to live resurrection lifestyle, it comes back to trusting in, leaning into the flow of the power of who Jesus Christ is in you and me and through you and me, and together through us to our world. Now, um, uh, he goes on a little bit more. He says, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they would be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In your pursuit of wisdom and knowledge, if it doesn't lead you to Jesus, it's not leading you into the richness of God. Um, 
I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith is uh, in Christ is. I think right now there's a bit of a push on many people um, on the firmness of their security in Christ for many followers of Jesus. And I'll, I'll share a little bit about how that's played out for me this week. But it's been a week of emotional testing, should I say. Emotional testing. And, um, uh, but before I get there, that key scripture in verse 27 there, God has chosen to make known the riches of this, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, there is obviously an outworking of who he is in your life. Not just principles, not just, um, oh, it's the right thing to do, but it's actually because you're in a living relationship with him that out through you will seep the reality of who he is. Now, the hope and the glory of God is Christ in you. It means you don't have to hope in yourself anymore. You don't have to go to the spiritual bunnings and DIY anymore. You don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to lean on your own understanding. You don't have to come up with your own energy and effort. You don't have to rely upon your strategy and your best thinking. You are invited to a lifestyle of kingdom hope and glory, which is Christ in you. Now, you may remember Paul said it to the Galatians church very emphatically. He said, it's no longer me who lives but it's Christ who lives in me. Death, resurrection. Death, resurrection. This is what our life is like as followers of Jesus. Die to rise. Let go to come alive. Stop trusting in yourself and come alive in Christ and lean not on your own understanding. Hope, or the, the, in the Greek... It, 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 it literally means um, joyful, confident expectation. How would you describe the nature of your hope at this moment? I mean, this week, just in the press alone, it's just gone crazy about the fact that the budget's coming in about another 10 days' time. The federal budget's coming down. And there's just this huge wave of anxiety that's been released through our nation. And everyone's up in arms. No one's actually even come out and said what they're doing yet. And yet everyone is like, it's all based on hearsay and maybes and will this. And, and everyone's reacting and responding. And lobby groups are jumping up and down. And, and individuals are like, no, that's not, don't take it away from me. Don't take away from me. There's this wave of like anxiety and fear that's just like flooded the media. And you and I aren't absolved from having to engage with that. As followers of Jesus, 
that will challenge us. Very much so in our daily life. So in our context of a federal budget that's coming in about 10 days' time, as followers of Jesus, what's your hope? What's your, what are you leaning on that's going to determine your response, your reply to what comes down? Some of us may lose some benefits. What's your hope in that moment? Some of us may find ourselves paying higher taxes. What's your hope going to be in that? Where does your hope lie? Is it in the security of whether or not our government provides social care for us or is it in the hope of Christ? What will the Christian response be? What will the Jesus response be that comes out of you and me? The mystery of glory. The hope of glory. The hope of Jesus. The hope of glory. That word glory is a, is a great word in the Greek. It's doxa. And you may remember, if some of you may have grown up in the traditional historical church, uh, sometimes you would sing at the end of certain parts of a service the doxology. Um, and uh, in, when I was a kid in a Methodist church, we would sing one about praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise God from above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And you, amen. amen. And you know, you know what? We, I, I, went, I used to work in this little Methodist church, and there was like maybe six of us to a dozen on a good Sunday, and average age was about 72. And, 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 and 72 is a good age, isn't it, Les? <laughs> Uh, and, and, and we would hand this little old beautifully crafted wooden bowl around with a bit of red felt in the bottom of it and we would hand it around to each other and we would sing that doxology. And what we were doing in that moment, even though it was like a traditional practice, what we were doing in that moment was we were actually saying praise, honour and glory to God. All praise, honour and glory to God. And I'm, and I'm revealing all praise, honour and glory to God with my offerings. I bring, I bring my offerings. And the doxology is like... And then at the end of that, they would sometimes sing this little amen kind of chorusy thing. Oh, I can't remember that. But they, they would sing this amen bit. In other words, they're saying, so let it be. So let it be. This little group of seniors handing around this little bowl together, pouring in their cash, you know, and singing, God, you're great. God, you're awesome. We honour you in this moment and may everyone know about it through our giving. Let it be. Let it be. Doxa. Glory to God in the highest. Praise God. How would we describe the nature of the glory of God through our life in our context, in our time? Does our, our trust in God in this moment reflect the glory of God, the doxa, the doxology, that God is a great king? 
Isn't that what we did two weeks ago when we stood here on Easter Sunday and about 50 people through the course of the morning came up and grabbed the microphone and stood here and said, my confession is this, Jesus is Lord and I believe with my heart that God rose him from the dead. See, that's our confession. But our confession in action is glory to God with everything I have my whole life. I put it into the 44-gallon drum. All that I am, it's, it's yours, oh God. Well, um, how would we describe our disposition at the moment? I mean, this week for me, you know, I got to tell you, I had a few waves of, like, anxiety hit me, anger hit me, concern. And the way I responded to the atmosphere not only impacted me, but it impacted my family as well. And I'm going to say, in a dishonouring way. In a dishonouring way. Not in a life-giving way, but in a dishonouring way. And dishonour, I don't mean I verbally went to town or anything like that. Dishonour means simply this, no longer do I trust God as king. And And I turned in the pressure of those waves of anxiety and I turned and said, how can I fix this? Full well knowing I can't. That's what dishonour does. It no longer trusts Jesus as Lord. And it yields yet again to just the work of the enemy who we empowered in the garden and we still continue to empower every time we choose not to trust Jesus as Lord. How will we respond? What's our disposition? What's the disposition of of our mind in this season? What's the disposition of our thinking Is my thinking based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead? Or is my thinking limited by a government that says what they're going to give out and what they're not going to give out and what they're going to take away? Where is my thinking? Where is it bound by? What's it informed by? What's it fueled by? What's what's the disposition of my emotions? Because... In, in 1 Colossians 27, Paul says, Christ in you is the hope of glory, joyful, confident expectation that God will bring his kingdom to you. Do I live there? What's the disposition of my emotions in this season? Is it joy and happiness and delight that God is king in the context of what we're going through right now as a nation? financially and the impacts that that has on the life of a fellowship of believers and at the end of the day on someone like me? What's my disposition? Am I in a place of delight and gladness and joy flowing out of me, the hope of glory? What's the disposition of my lifestyle? Well, thing, you know, things are a bit tough. Well, I might just draw back. I might just ease up and in doing so say very loudly, God, I don't trust you. I will be king from now on. 
But that's not my confession. My confession is Jesus Christ is Lord, the resurrected one. And resurrected living manifests most powerfully in the face of where the enemy wants to dishonor the name of God in the earth. Dishonor of God in the earth. That's what, Je- that's what the enemy is about. Jesus is about restoring honor to the Father. First in us and then through us. Jesus wants to restore honor to the Father. Every broken thought and reaction, every disposition that's turned away from God, Jesus wants to go there because it's in that that we have dishonored the Father. We've forgotten to trust him. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm the resurrected king. Let's turn that back around and bring honor and glory to God because that's the work of Christ in me, to turn me back to the Father yet again. What's our disposition? How are we relating? Are we in a place of confidence with our lifestyle as much as what we confess? Or is our thinking, our emotions, and our lifestyle reflecting that we continue to trust the enemy or empower him, I should say. We don't trust him. We empower him, though, by our choices. You see, the Father knows all of our needs. And he says in Luke 12, through Christ, he says, don't be afraid. Your Father's pleased to give you his kingdom. He knows what you need. I've got to say that, you know, as, as the person here that Jesus, uh, alongside my wife Nicole and a great team of people that ha- who faithfully work with us and st- stand by and, and support and encourage, I've got to say probably the last two years have been perhaps the hardest economic times as a church to try and keep our life of faith and community flowing together in a way that is hope and glory, the life of Christ. It hasn't been easy. It doesn't continue to get any easier at the moment. And when it's not easy, when things are hard, that's when the enemy will come and try and steal from us our rest. I thought it was wonderful this morning, that song we sang about he is our rock. I nearly jumped up and grabbed the mic at that point. I nearly... He is our rock. In other words, he wants to take us off every bit of shifting sand that we're trying to find support from and put, it, put us onto Jesus. He is our rock. He is our God. And it's in this season where things are hard and um, that, that the Lord is want, Jesus is wanting to honour the Father through all our choices and the way we respond and the way we react and how we think about God. This is where discipleship cuts in. This is where, where being a student of Jesus cuts in. Make no mistake, our thinking life and our emotional intelligence do flow into action. Our thought life in our emotional intelligence, empower our activities, our actions. Make no mistake about that. 
But here is the challenge. To think like Jesus. The hope and glory of God. The joyful, expectant, abundant plenitude of God in the person of Jesus for our life. Make no mistake. Jesus is calling us to lean into him and to bring glory to the Father in the face of an otherwise difficult circumstance. And um, it says there that God has chosen. God has chosen to make known this mystery. In other words, God is resolved, determined, desires and purposes to make this mystery known, the reality of Christ in you. He's chosen, this is the way we're going to do it through, through our life. This is the way he's going to do it, through you as an individual and through us as a people of believers that would see our, our, our community changed by the love and kindness of God and his kingdom. God's, God's chosen, he's resolved to make it known. He's resolved in his heart. He's purposed it through the person of his son, Jesus, the resurrected one. That the glorious riches of this mystery, the abundance, the fullness and the plenitude of God is available for you and I to enjoy through relationship with God. Jesus in you. Jesus through you. Um, You know... I feel like I want to prophesy or something today. <laughs> I feel like I feel like um, you know everyone everyone that maybe you know at some point has said, "Jesus, I want you," and right now is running in every other direction than towards Jesus. All those people that you know, and even the things that are going on in your own life, you've got to spend a lot of time, energy, and resource ignoring the love of God. You, 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 you seriously have to expend a lot of resource, emotionally, mentally, <laughs> ignoring the fact that Jesus is in you and hasn't gone anywhere. You know, last night, Nicole was... Um, I thought it was, this was kind of funny. Nicole was uh, sitting on the couch with me last night, and she said, <clears throat> oh, look, I was just checking out um, on Facebook, and this person posted this, and I thought it was really cool. I'm, I, and I'm like, oh, I didn't see that on my feed. And so anyway, I jumped on my feed and had a look, and I said, oh, it's not coming up on my feed. And, then, and I thought it was interesting because I said, I said to Nika, she said, this person, I said, you know what, I've been praying for them just in the last three weeks by name, before God. And, and, and sure enough, I look at my feed and it's like, I couldn't see it there. So anyway, I just checked my friend base to try and find it. Oh, they defriended me. They defriended me. And I just thought, well, that's really amazing. Because I'm praying in this season that Jesus would completely stir up the reality of who he is in them that they experienced in their baptism and that they would turn to him. And they're having to expend time, energy and resource to try and push that reality away. I believe 
I think, I, well, I believe, but I think perhaps maybe in this season, to all of our children and grandchildren who've tried for so long to hold Jesus down, to squeeze him out, to push him away, to ignore his voice, are going to collapse under the power of his love through the hope and the glory of God in you and me. In you and me. The hope of Jesus. To all those that are like, you know, they're running as hard as they can. They're doing everything they can to stuff their ears up and hope he would, Jesus would shut up. I believe that they're about to collapse under the weight of his love that says, you can't keep hiding from me. I know where you are because I'm in you. He's an amazing king. He doesn't give up. His love is determined and he will win. The hope and glory of God, Jesus. Christ in you. What's our resurrection confession? Well, it's that Jesus is Lord. And our resurrection identity is that we're the ones, as in our confession, have aligned and agreed with who God is in Jesus, conceded to his lordship, we get to now go and declare hope and glory where there is no hope and glory. That's our identity. That in the face of hopelessness, we bring joy and expectation. That's okay. God is about to blow you apart with love. He's about to crash in on your circumstance and life with heaven's resource and riches in the person of his son, Jesus. And he's going to set you free from all your muck, junk, and every other addiction that you got because he loves you. Such is his love. For those of us who have aligned and agreed and conceded, and we now get to declare hope and glory. It's here, hope and glory. I want to finish with this. This week in my readings, as my scripture readings, I was really struck by a verse in the book of Hebrews where the writer of the Hebrews says this in Hebrews 12, verse 15. He says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So they're a very interesting little scripture. Let me just read it to you again. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitterness or bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Point is this. When we don't lean into the grace of God in Jesus... We lean towards bitterness. And if you want to lean away from Jesus, that's fine. That's your choice. My hope is that you and I wouldn't, and our family and friends wouldn't, and our region wouldn't. But in the choices that we make, 
to lean away from Jesus, it doesn't just affect us, the individual. It says here, it defiles many. Let me give you a quick illustration of this. This week, in the atmosphere that's been zooming around, and I've been fighting with it as well. You know, I think it was on about Thursday or something or other, I was just like, I, this is really hard to just stand, stay standing on the rock in this swirl of reality that's taking place around my life. And I verbalised it to Nick. I said, you know, I'm really struggling with this. And in the midst of that, I shut down. I went all quiet. And I withdrew relationally. But I was having a hard time trusting the grace of God. And what started to surface in me was anger and disappointment. Anxiety was all rising up in me. I didn't say anything, but it was going on in me. And then Nicole has to go and do the grocery shopping this week. And as she does the grocery shopping, she comes home completely exhausted from the experience. And she says to me, can you please sit here with me and go through this? Which we have never done this in 20-something years of marriage. Never. She says, can you please sit down here with me and can we go through the items? You know, I I got that one at half price and I only got that because it was half price. And she starts going through this whole experience of justifying everything that we needed to purchase to exist. And she was impacted. She was defiled by my unbelief that made her feel anxious. And how are we going to do this? Do you see the impact? That's why the writer of Hebrews says, don't see to it that you don't miss the grace of God, Jesus. See to it. Because if you get bitter and angry, it's not just you that you're affecting. You're vibing all that nastiness all over everyone. And they'll catch it just like the flu And they'll feel at odds and awkward and under pressure and waiting. It's like, I can't understand what's going on. Sure enough, the enemy in that has dishonored the Father through our unbelief. See how it works? See to it. When we don't lean into the grace and the reality of Jesus, we work counter to resurrection life. When we don't lean into Jesus, the hope and glory of God, we, 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 we lean counter, we work counter to resurrection living. And that choice to not trust grace, not trust Jesus, the resurrected one, To not trust him is to poison our disposition, our mind, our emotional intelligence, and our lifestyle. And it doesn't just poison us. Oh, it's all right. It's just my choice. That's another lie. Your choices do not just affect you. 
they affect everything and everyone around you. The ones that you make in the secret and the dark and the ones that you make in the light. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. I tell you, because God has chosen to make known this mystery, the hope of Christ to the world through you and me, we get to knock this thing on the head, turn it all around, and release resurrection power and hope and the glory of Jesus into circumstance and life to the point where people look at us and they go, there must be a God. There's no other way. There must be a God. Well, yes, there is. His name is Jesus the King. Friends, this is resurrection identity. To lean into the reality of the resurrected Jesus. And wherever dishonoring the Father is taking place, right here and now, Jesus wants to bring honor to the Father with resurrection life and freedom and his grace that we can go and live the kingdom life again. I think this is going to be an amazing week of atmosphere swirling all through our nation. You may be already feeling the pinch of it, the squeeze of it, the suggestions. Fear not. Your Father is pleased to give you his kingdom. Lean into the resurrected one and do it for yourself and then go and establish that reality of Jesus into your context. Confess him as Lord. Align and agree. Concede, have your way. And declare the kingdom into it. Confess Jesus is Lord. Now I'm just talking one area today. I'm just touching on an issue of finance. Because it's, it's all a buzz in the country right now. But I'm talking about relationships workplace environments, parenting, the whole deal. The way you drive the car and treat people on the road, there too. Because God has chosen to make known this mystery, the reality of Jesus through our life. Now, amen. What, what we're going to do right now is we're going to... Um, let me just do up my shoelace here. You know, in the scriptures it says, and Jesus bent down and scribbled in the sand, and then he got back up with a word of wisdom. I'm kind of hoping. <laughs> All right, let's ask for a visitation of the Holy Spirit on everything that's anxious in it. That Jesus would take the shaming of the Father and honour him right now in that place. If you want to participate in that and experience resurrection life, just where you are, just stand up right now. Father, we just thank you for the amazing reality of your love for us. 
through your son Jesus and Holy Spirit, would you come right now and just release the hope and glory of Jesus in us? Please. Please, Lord. Bring your kingdom. Bring your kingdom. And as you do, Father, whether this is in a, a, you, you, that with your help, Holy Spirit, and your power, you who rose Jesus from the dead, would you release a resurrection disposition into our thinking? A resurrection disposition in our emotional intelligence of the heart and resurrection power into our actions that the hope and glory of Jesus would be made manifest through us and we could give life, your life, to the world. Come, Holy Spirit. Increase your presence here. It's love, it's love, it's love, it's love. It's not judgment or condemnation. It's love that washes through us right now by the Spirit. It's love that changes us. It's the grace of God. Not our efforts. And it's a gift that none should boast. It's love. Thank you, Father. Just let the tan- I just release the tangible presence of the Father's love, the Holy Spirit, on you right now, on your minds, to your heart, and to your physical body. Receive the kingdom of God. I just declare the, the, the kingdom of God is here for you. Fear not what man might say. What government or institution might need to do. Fear not, for your God loves you. He sees you. He knows your need and he's pleased to give you his kingdom. Fear not. We release the confidence of God back into our spirit. In Jesus' name, receive the kingdom.